0: You are listening to HPF's Orange Heart, the podcast. We'll peel back the layers, tell the stories of heroes, tap into the knowledge of experts and humanitarians, educate the public, and protect our children. This is our world. This is the Humanity Preservation Foundation, and this segment starts now. to Hands Off. My name is Rad Hacken. I am your host. We are continuing our series on Breaking Code Silence. And last week we did our panel interview. This kicks off the first of our one-on-ones. And I am truly honored to have our guest today. Her name is Sarah Dooley. Um, she is a survivor of Breaking Code, Silence, Schools, and WASP. Um, and she's also an advocate. Um, she has a great personality, and I'm looking forward to having her on the show. So, Sarah, let's start off with by having, having you introduce yourself. And just tell us where you're from and what school or schools you attended. Um, when was it? The number of years?
1: Great! Thank you so much for having me on. Um, so my name is Sarah Dooley. Uh, I am from Denver, Colorado. I was a student at Cross Creek Manor in Laverkin, Utah. I was brought there on January second, year two thousand. I did graduate the program in May of two thousand and one. I was home for about a month, and I was sent back um, until October of two thousand and one. So. It was about altogether 18 months that I was in the program. Um,
0: What I'd like you to do is to, and I I know it's, you know, always a challenge, is to, if you could just kind of like give us a synopsis of what that experience was like. Um, Because we're not talking school. Um, We're talking about um, an institution that um, had a horrific situation. history of abuse and if you could just tell us your story and and let us know what it was like for you, that would be terrific.
1: Absolutely. Um, So I was 16 uh, when I was sent to Cross Creek. Um, To start off, um, being brought there, most people are transported. Um, The parents had an option of hiring an outside company um, to basically, no, absolutely kidnap their children in the middle of the night, um, and handcuff them and bring them to whatever program. Um, in my situation, my mother decided instead of utilizing a transport company, um, she sent her first husband, um, and my father who, uh, I had had some past experiences with, um, that I think helped get me to a at risk youth, uh, situation, um, but so he, he was my abuser, and so my father and my mom's first husband showed up first thing in the morning, I wasn't wearing any clothes, I was sleeping, I had no idea what was going on, they grabbed me by my feet and dragged me out of bed, um, asked me if I wanted to go the easy way or the hard way, which is a really typical line when people are being transported, um, I asked them if I could put some clothes on, I obviously wasn't had no idea what was going on. Um, they did allow me to put on some clothes, and from there I was brought into the, the vehicle, and we drove the 10 hours to Leavenworth, Utah. Um, during that time, they kind of explained to me where I was going. They said I was going to be going to a boarding school. Um, you know, they were I was going to have all these activities and an opportunity to make my life better. And to be honest, I wasn't really that upset about it. I mean, I was upset about leaving my friends and, but life wasn't super great at home. So okay. I actually, there was part of me that was like, okay, well, maybe, maybe this will give me an opportunity to, to be happier, um, in my life and, and give me more of a future. So I got there. Um, they bring you into the building and they do their intake where they take your shoes. Uh, that really bothered me because I did not wear shoes for a year and a half. We were not allowed to wear those. Um, they brought me into a room and I was strip searched um, and basically handed a packet and and let, let off into the facility. Um, when I got there, it was terrifying. Uh, nobody was speaking in a language that I understood. Um, they didn't explain the rules exactly, but the rules didn't really matter, as I learned while I was there, because the rules would change sure. based off of whatever was going on. Um, so the first, you know, six months I was there, I was not allowed Okay, you could you could write letters to your family only. Uh, the thing about the letters, though, is that they were read. Every single letter was read. And if you said anything negative about the program, if they felt like you were, you know, saying anything that wasn't approved, uh, they would destroy the letter and you would be punished. Um, I didn't actually get to speak to my parents for six months. Uh, once they did allow me to speak to my parents, it was in a therapy session. So my therapist was there and everything was monitored. Um, eventually, once you get on to higher phases, they did allow visits for your family to come, your parents to come. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So it took me about six months to actually realize that I needed to start <sighs> conforming yeah. to be able to get out of there. Sure. Um, you know, I was being punished on a regular basis. Uh, punishments consisted of uh, something called staff buddy where we'd have to sit facing the wall uh, with our nose, basically touching the wall in um, while sitting, uh, what's it called? Um, Cross-legged? yes thank you yes uh with our hands out we weren't allowed to turn our head left and right we were uh put on things like silence for weeks at a time where we were not allowed to speak to anybody um and and again there was isolation which i hadn't experienced until the second time i went back which i'll explain more um so while you're in the program you also have to go to be able to move up in phases um you have to go through something called seminars um and it's a series of seminars every single month that you have to go through during those seminars, they did processes that were extremely uh, intense. Let's put it that way. Um, the one process that uh, was actually a therapy session for my group uh, that I like to bring up was, uh, I was, I was probably there for about three weeks. We got brought into this basement. It was completely dark and you couldn't really see anything. Um, and when we walked out and then we sat in our chairs, and when they turned on the lights, there was a girl sitting in the middle of the room. Um, this girl had been raped prior to coming into the program. Um, and what, they, what, had, what happened was they brought in a male staff who reenacted the rape on the victim. And we were instructed to uh, yell things at her, uh, calling her names, slut, asking her what she did to create this, um, stuff like that. Um, so those, those were the types of processes that were going on. And again, if you didn't get through the seminar, uh, what they called choosing out, um, if they didn't feel like you were real enough or they, you know, however, however, they felt then you would choose out of the seminar and you were there for an additional month. So it was very important to, to participate in these processes. Um, otherwise you would get a refusal and you'd be there for longer. So eventually, I did graduate again in May. Um, after being there for a while and getting on higher phases, um, I, will, I, I, was, I was very pro-program. Um, they had broken me down. Um, I had abuses happen to me previously in the program. I had been uh, told on numerous occasions that these were my fault and I needed to take accountability for these things that happened to me. Um, I also identify as a lesbian. Um, they did tell me due to that I was a sexual predator and I needed to come to terms with that. Um, but eventually I got into the high phases and when you got into a high phase, you had a little bit more privileges, like you were able to wear shoes. Um, you could, uh, shave with an electric razor, um, stuff like that. So I did end up graduating in May. Um, and then when I got home, uh, I was there's no step down process. When you get out of the program, they just, you do something called a home contract where you, you write down basically a mini program to go home, different phases to earn. Um, but when I got home, one of the things was I wasn't allowed to make any contact with my friends. I was home by myself and my parents actually didn't really have the time to, to staff me. Like I had been staffed there. So, um, Eventually, I did end up sneaking out in the middle of the night, and uh, when I came back, I told my mother that I needed to go back to the program. Uh, Basically, I missed my family. I didn't know how to be outside of the program. Um, I didn't know how to interact with people. Uh, Nobody, again, spoke the same language as me at that point. So we spoke with the director, um, and he said that I could come back and help the girls by sharing with them the issues that I had when I got home, and so that was really exciting for me. I'm a social worker now, and that's something that, you know, fills my heart is, sure. is helping others. So I was actually pretty excited to go back. So I did go back, and I was back for about a week before I was thrown in an isolation cell. Uh, basically, what I was told was that I was a waste of air and that they weren't going to spend any time wasting the time with someone like me.
0: So we are actually uh, looking at a photo of where you were at in, in the isolation room. Um, and you were in there for three months.
1: Yeah. And um, I was in there for three months straight. Um, and that actually wasn't even that long. There was other girls that were in there for nine months, ten months. Um, and the thing about the isolation rooms is they're far away from the rest of the facility. Um, so you're not making any contact with anybody. Um, and you never leave that room. Um, I wasn't even pen, paper. Um, and then they consistently cut came in, um, you know, a couple times a week to let me know that I was so worthless that my parents knew that I was in isolation and they didn't even care enough to come pick me up and that I had to live with that. Um, so I did sit in isolation for three months. Um, when I got out of isolation, my mom finally came and picked us up uh, or picked me, <laughs> sorry. And, and while in isolation, I... I can't explain what that does to you. Um, for about the first two weeks, I was in a complete total panic attack because I couldn't leave this room. Um, they did physically restrain you if you uh, if you got out of hand. So I knew better than to do, it, to do that. But there was no conversation, no interaction with anybody, and no ability to tell anybody what was going on. So about two weeks, I had panic attacks. Then eventually, I just checked out. Um, I did a lot of counting lines on the ceiling, um, singing to myself, you know, you just kind of, kind of as a protection become a shell. Um, so my mom came and picked me up, uh, after three months of being in isolation, I was almost 18 at the time. Um, she explains it exactly how I did. She said that she showed up. I wasn't even excited to see her. I actually don't really remember a whole bunch of this, but I would just, she walked in, I said, Hey, I hadn't showered in probably two weeks. Um, I looked really disheveled. I'd lost a bunch of weight. Um, yeah. And so then I left, um, and then do you want me to continue with what happened after I got out of the program? Well, uh,
0: I have a couple of quick questions. I know that we're going to come up to break soon. Um, but okay. I I'm assuming that uh, just based upon what you were telling me is that it was your mom, that she was the one that wanted to send you to the school initially.
1: Well, my dad, again, we didn't really have much of a relationship. He was extremely abusive. Um, He was the money. Uh, So that was one of the things. A lot of girls hoped that their parents would run out of money and maybe come get them. I never had that concern. I knew I was in there for the long haul. So he was paying for it, but she was the one who ultimately made the decision, yes. Okay.
0: Um, So what we're going to do is we're going to go to break. When we come back, what I'm going to do is um, I want to talk about how you got through that and what were the residual effects, you know, life after and and, and current day. So um, we'll be right back with Sarah, and uh, we'll hear the rest of her story. So stay tuned. Thank you. new here but i've noticed a trend my human does this funny thing where she goes around and gets all my toys and then she hides them in that basket by the door you know but it's always the same basket and it's always in the, in the same place and then she acts so surprised when i find them but you know she's putting them in the same basket again it's like hello this is where you put it last time you were the worst at hide and go seek Welcome back to Hands Off. Uh, Before we went to break, we were talking with Sarah Dooley, who was telling us her story of um, her final days at the facility that she was sent to. And, um, you know, hearing that, it it never ceases to amaze me. And and one of the the main primary focuses of the show is always about how do you get through something like that and come out the other side. And what do you think was the number one contributor that helped
1: well, you through oh, that I'm sorry yeah well first of all I'm stubborn um you know it was that's that's my personality so uh you know I think that was a big part of it but the girls um the other girls that there were there oh. left me um I'm gonna get emotional now um they we kept each other going yeah. um in the program we were supposed to attack each other that was that we we were told to tell on each other and if we didn't tell each other we get the same consequences and we did these processes where we said terrible things to each other but the bottom line was is that that we were each other's main support and still to this day the people i was in the program with are my closest people that uh, um, seems to be a constant
0: um that i hear when we whenever we're having these and 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 i understand that because um you're all going through it at the time um what what is life like now for you? Like, what? What? Like, do you know of the residual effects from being in a program like that that you see in your everyday life as an adult?
1: Absolutely. Um, I did end up going to school uh, to be a social worker, and eventually uh, to be a therapist was my goal. Um, so while doing that, I realized I started noticing the barriers in my life, and the habits, and the the trauma and how it affects my daily life. Um, I still have severe nightmares. And it's funny because if you talk to any of the other survivors, we all have the exact same nightmare. Um, we're being taken back. Uh, we're trying to explain to them that we're too old to go back, and they're making a mistake, and we get taken back. Uh, so that that happens on a regular basis. Um, I also have severe relationship struggles with relationships, um, fear of abandonment, um, you know fear of trusting people i think the thing that affects me the most is my feeling of worth um that is something that was completely destroyed while i was in the program and it was already something i was struggling with prior to going into the program well sure i mean Uh, at
0: 16 i mean you know i i don't know of anybody at in their teenage years that aren't struggling with that regardless of what type of program you're in then be thrown into that type of situation uh, of course, of course, you would feel that way do you uh, do you have a relationship with your mom?
1: My mom, yes, uh, we actually have a really good relationship. just recently have we started working through this uh, portion um, i I, uh, I don't begrudge her for sending me. I know that I was scaring her um, i We both agree at this point that there may have been some better options, but she was manipulated and lied to just as much. These programs are excellent at at what they do. Um, as far as my father, I mean, we have a relationship. What happened eventually was that I realized that I needed to start having a relationship with him based off of who he was and not who I wanted him to be. So yes, there's a relationship there, but it's it's minimal. Sure. But my mother, absolutely, we're, we're very close. Um, I, I think that that's,
0: um, I, I mean, that's, that's fantastic and, and good for you. And certainly, um, you know, it, if there was something to validate in all of this, based upon my experience and and and, and speaking with people, is that yes, um, there definitely are other options than this. And mm-hmm. um, you, as a social worker, and me as you know an advocate, and I also run a nonprofit and I work with children that have been abused. Um, there's definitely not, th- th- that is not the solution to the issue at hand. And and I I also know too, you are correct that you know the parents are. Um, in a sense, they too are brainwashed, um, and it is all about the mighty dollar for the industry. Um, and, and is your is that school that you were at? Is it still up and running, or has it was it shut down?
1: It was shut down in two thousand and fifteen. Okay. Uh, the issue with these programs, though, is this is uh, it's a trend. They close down and they open under different LLCs. Yes. Yes. People that work there open new programs. There are other programs operating under the individuals that were running either working or running the program I was in. Yeah. So although Cross Creek Manor and WASP as an umbrella corporation no longer exists, there are still tons, tons. Of, of programs today. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think
0: it's important too, um, and we had spoke about this before we started recording, um, that um, the need for regulation is essential, that it, it if you're going to be um, educating children or doing whatever, there should be always a regulation in there. And at the time that you were in that facility, and even now, there are none. Is that correct?
1: That's absolutely correct. In fact, that's why, they, that's why Utah specifically has so many of them. Their regulations are a lot more lax for privately owned companies. Um, I was, I've done a lot of research into this, and I think the best statement that someone has made is that nail salons... Have more regulations put in place than these private companies. Right. Um, there is no state regulation for these companies. Yeah. Um, and while I was there for the year and a half, and everybody I've talked to, nobody ever came to check on us. What happens is your parents actually sign over 51 percent of their legal rights to you, so um, they become you. They become your your um, your guardian. Um, so. Outside of that, there is absolutely no regulations. And
0: um, so I'm glad that you brought that up um, because it is beyond my comprehension that, and I I understand, believe me, I I hear what you were saying in regards to, you know, the type of teenager that you were and, and everything like that. But the bottom line is that that is the first red flag, as far as I'm concerned, that you do not sign over your rights to your child to anyone. And if there's somebody that's asking you to do that, you need to hightail it out of there. And I mean, I, 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 to me, it is shocking um, because there's so many children that this happened to. And I, I, it blows me away. So.
1: Um, and the fact that they cut off communication to your children, there should never be a situation where your children cannot have open communication with you.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, because they are children. Like, they're children. So... Um, The youngest person, I just want to put this out there, the youngest person that I was in there with was 10 years old. 10 years old. And they are having to process this. Uh, It's it's beyond my comprehension. I I, kind of know the answer to this, but I want to ask the question anyway. Um, Why did you want to speak today on this show?
1: Well, for me, um, this is something obviously that... I'm very passionate about. I believe that as long as there is demand, there will be a product. Um, so what my goal is, is to create regulations, not only regulations, but also to get, get the information out there so that parents can make educated decisions. Prior to the internet, when I was there, um, you know, it wasn't a big thing. My parents were only going based off what the program told them. So getting that information out there and creating some different legislations, making some systematic change on how these places are run because people are still sending their kids there. I don't see that stopping. So if there's going to be places like this, they need to be regulated.
0: Yeah, I, I so agree. I, um, I, I think it's amazing um, that you know, you've gone into the profession of social worker, um, doing what you're doing, um, and, and speaking out to your story. And, and I, I think that that's super powerful. Um, what would you say to somebody that is watching this that has a similar history as you do Um, But they really kind of don't know what to do or where to go or what to say or like, what would you say to
1: them? Um, I would say reach out to support um, Whatever that looks like for me the breaking code silence group has been Life-changing because it's out there. We're there supporting each other. We have similar stories people are believing us they understand the things that we're saying that for me would be My biggest uh, bit of advice would to be find a support group, uh, reach out, look online and see what there's available. Um, We, in my experience, the group that has been created from the troubled teen industry, are the strongest, most compassionate humans I have ever met, and they are they are some strong individuals. So, and everybody's always really wanting to 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 help each other and lift each other up. It's been a really beautiful thing. And, you know, I, I'm a
0: member of the groups, which is, you know, how I, I, I have connected with so many individuals. Um, the um, compassion is phenomenal. Um, there are resources that are listed in within the group um, for counseling, um, which yes. I highly recommend. Um, and I also give a warning as well, too, that, you know, there, uh, there are a lot of things uh, as these statements and stories are being, you know, put out there that are very triggering. Um, because you know, essentially, you all were you know you were brainwashed, and there's some things that people absolutely forget, and it's coming back to them now, and it's overwhelming for them. And if they're all alone, these groups are are, are amazing. So
1: I'm really glad you brought that up. That's a huge thing. Thank you. It is. Since I started with the Breaking Code Silence group, I have remembered so much more. Yeah. and so when you get involved with these things just pre- be prepared for that have something there to support you when you're going through this because it was i didn't even know how much i had forgotten you know that trauma brain really just represses things for yeah. protection yeah. but when you start getting out there and talking to people and sharing stories it comes back like a flood it's yeah. it's, it's it's my life has turned upside down since this this began so I, yes thank you for bringing that up No, it's no, no.
0: One hundred percent. If somebody is, is watching this and, and you know they see it, how how can they find you? Is 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 looking you up in, on social media the best way, or is there another you know method or that you would prefer? I,
1: I'm on social media a lot, so absolutely. If you want to reach out, I am completely available. Facebook is my main. Okay. social media outlet yeah. so um, you know reach out to me I can get you connected with other organizations or other people um, yes please 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 feel free to, to yeah. get in touch
0: I um, I can also
1: I can also give you my email as well sure and, okay. uh, if you
0: want to give it to us right now you you are more than welcome to do so or I can include it in any show notes or but uh, you know some people give their email right now so if you want to that's fine
1: okay. yes my email is Sarah s a R a H dot E dot Dooley D O O L Y at
0: gmail.com. Perfect. Um, you know, I know that you and I have only really spoken for a short period of time, but I, I just want to say this to you, um, that, and, and, and it's important to me, um, to, to let you know this, that, um, Worthiness is something that is our birthright, like from the from the minute that we take our first breath until the last day that we take our breath um, at that final breath should be just as worthy as the one that came out on the first day. Um, and if there's ever a moment in which you are questioning your worthiness because of what you've gone through, that is your validation right there that what you went through, and, and, and got through it, um, tells me without question what your worth is, um, beyond your birthright. And you sitting here right now, being able to tell that story is just a miracle. Um, let alone the fact that you've done something with your life, you've done something with this story, that if there's ever a day that you're questioning whether you have any kind of worthiness, I assure you, you have it because you've had it since the day that you were born and you have it right now and you are doing things that are changing other people's lives. And that is something that, you know, I, I hope that you hold on to that forever because I think that I, anybody that has gone through what you have gone through, because unless you've gone through it, people will never know they will never ever really fully understand. And so you here, uh, it, it truly is an honor. And I hope that you know that. I really appreciate that a lot. Thank you so much. Um, so I I applaud you for the work that you're doing. I think that, you know, it is one thing to bring awareness and, uh, on a movement, but a movement, <laughs> I say this all the time, a movement is only good as long as it moves. And um, it's people like you that are gonna make that happen. Um, and, um, you know, you said it before that even if that's, even if there's a parent out there that's questioning right now whether to send their kid to a school like this and then they don't, that, that's good enough. But believe me, you're gonna do way more than that. And I really, really absolutely appreciate you coming on this show and being so honest and telling your story because I know that it's not easy, so. Um, Big props to you.
1: Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you, and I appreciate everybody that's listening. Thank you for giving me the time and opportunity to share my story with you.
0: Yeah, 100%. You're uh, incredibly special. So um, that is our show for this episode. Um, Please continue to watch our series on Breaking Code Silence. Um, We will have more individuals um, like Sarah coming on and telling their story and – just remember that, uh, as we say in our opening credits, that um, abuse does not have to remain silent. Um, and Sarah certainly proved that this evening. So thank you all for watching.
1: Thank you.